radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Now hits against Bozak for the draw. Bozak, one of Maroon, lays it off. Thomas going to the net, off the post, scores! Patrick Maroon and the Blues win it in Game 7, double overtime! For May 15th, 2019, I am Brutes Bataglia of Puck77.com. And uh, I do not have that sort of enthusiasm, but I am James Cole, and I am also with Puck77.com. That you are, buddy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Good for to see you. Yeah. Good to have you to another week of this. Yes. Um, I was going to say they haven't shut us down yet, but like, who would shut us down? Who's Apple? They? Like, fucking Apple Music? Listen, you're just not getting the sort of results that we're looking for in a hockey <laughs> podcast being broadcast in Thunder Bay once a week. In a in a in a fucking basement with no running costs, really. Yeah. You know. Listen, listen. Um, I wanted to start off this week by talking about something really important. Uh, the thing that I'm sure we're all looking forward to talking about. Uh, the biggest thing that happened in sports news over the past week, and that is, of course, that Scott Oak rode a scooter to game two instead of taking a cab in san jose fucking california with a full suit on (laughs) it's i i love it it, it's hilarious but do we know why he took a um so like his reasoning was that he wanted to save rogers seven dollars and seventy cents and took the scooter that he could rent rather than like paying for a cab which like obviously isn't the real reason but it's probably just that scott oak is like super cut and, like, is, like, jacked, because I'm sure he is. Big eco guy. Yeah, he seems like he would be. Yeah. Uh, he, has a, he has a camp on Lake of the Woods, and every summer when we go out there, I always jokingly say, let's keep an eye out for Scott Oak, and everyone laughs at me, and I'm like, I'm serious. I'd love to meet Scott Oak. He seems like a great dude. I, and this is case in point why Scott Oak could be one of the most interesting men in hockey that no one talks about. It'd be great. I'd... I... Uh, the opportunity to meet him would not be uh, passed up by he, myself. He'd be a party so, man. Like yeah. him, imagine him and Ron McLean at the same camp party with a fucking non-disclosure agreement signed. Oh boy! There's a reason there's a brewery at that, uh, yeah. that particular yeah. destination. Man, where, where do you think Ron? Where do you think Ron McLean summers? Where do you summer? Um, the Quebec Valley. Yeah. Yeah. What? I don't know. You don't think he has, like, a nice place on the Muskokas or something? No. He wants no? to get as far away from Toronto as he can, but not so far that he's not in Canada anymore. Yeah, maybe he's got to haul that old mouthpiece Ooh. with him everywhere, and that's, uh, it's hard to you're talking about take his, him into Quebec. You're and... talking about his, uh, accordion, of course. 
Do you think he does he play the accordion? I have no idea. No. I have, All I can think I can of dream. about Ron McLean and his personal life is that picture of him playing. Or sorry, of with the shirt off at the bar. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, just tanked. And one of my favorite quotes of all time, and it's Ron McLean, I don't trust anyone who doesn't drink. And that says that says a lot about people, but that says even more about Ron McLean, which I love. Guy's yeah. awesome. No, I agree. But yeah, Scott, uh, for those of you who didn't see, Scott Oak rode a, like, a, a scooter to, uh, to Game 2 in San Jose, which would have been a $10 cab ride. So I feel like we have to dissect that a little bit, okay? So think of a $10 cab ride here in Thunder Bay. A cab, a ten dollar cab ride would be like, what? Down the street. Noxos to Da Vinci. Probably about ten bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's ten bucks here. Think about Scott Oak doing that distance on a scooter. Now think about Scott Oak doing like a San Jose ten dollars, which would be like Noxos to what? The college? Maybe the police station? Like, because I compared it earlier. I was talking about it like Winnipeg cab rides. You know what I mean? San Jose's got to have roughly the same fare rate or better than oh, Winnipeg. Oh, it's American, too. Yeah, and it's American. Mm. Like, that's that's a fucking scooter ride, man. And it was like 26 degrees in San Jose, probably. Full suit, though. Yeah, full fucking suit. He's got his briefcase on the side. Oh, man, kudos to David Perron, because Perron's the guy who tweeted it out. That is amazing, man. Amazing. You can't get quality like that nope. uh, every day. So nope. Take so, it when you so can. So kudos, kudos to Scott Oak. Kudos to uh, Rogers Sportsnet. Because uh, when they did the major purge of all the CBC veterans a few years ago, they kept along a few a few names, and Scott Oak was one of the right ones to keep on. Because he's a fucking treasure. Uh, did you watch the Raptors game the other night, Zach? <sighs> you know I did. Oh, baby. So, I got a good story with that, actually. Okay, let's hear your story. Okay, so... Oh yeah! By the way, we're watching Yumi and Dupree in the background. If you're hearing, uh, if you're hearing noises while we're talking, and this is laced up uh, hockey podcast. Oh, and this is laced up hockey podcast. And uh, yeah, because we're doing top ten Owen Wilson uh, movies this week, so we'll get to that. But first, James's I'm sure long story. So, my girlfriend's uh, parents are big Raptors fans, and this is only funny. Uh, in the sense that whenever you go around the house, they're they're pretty reserved people. Like they're they're pretty down to earth. They're not, you know, kind of out there. They're not crazy people. Like you yeah, might I know meet. them. Um, except for when you put a Raptors game on the television, and and then they become animals. But so Sunday was Mother's Day. Uh, that it was. They all went out. They celebrated Mother's Day with uh, with the mom there, and they came back to the house and. I was talking to her briefly, and we, we talked a little bit about the Raptors game, because I'd watched the whole thing, and she'd missed the majority of it being at dinner. And uh, so the, the conversation ends. I go downstairs. I'm, I'm, I'm with my girlfriend and a couple of her friends in the basement watching television. And I've got the game on my phone, on, on mute. And um, everyone knows that I'm watching it. Like It's not bothering anybody. But all of a sudden, there's a lull in whatever it was that we were watching. And upstairs... You can hear the biggest shriek from my girlfriend's mother that I've I've like I've ever heard a sports fan make before. Like it was it was wild. The whole room looks at me, expecting me to have like some sort of like answer for what's what's the shrieking about. And apparently my feed was delayed because I had no idea what was going on. So that was the shot. Oh. And I had Oh, you were watching it on your phone. Yeah. Oh, okay. I might have blacked out at that part of the story. Yeah. 
so like everyone thought I would have like what's going on and I'm like I don't know I'm behind by like 10 seconds here so yeah it was a kind of funny little moment and you know uh it clearly affected a lot of people yeah yeah well yeah the whole the whole nation you could plus, say plus like any non-canadian basketball fan out there too yeah um your thoughts on the game that was that was kind of fucked so like for me because people were talking about, like, how crazy was that? How crazy was that? And, like, to me, there's no question that that's, like, the greatest moment in Canadian basketball history. It arguably is one of the greatest moments in NBA history, though. And this is, like, a non-biased sort of, like, like perspective in this sense. is like, that is the first game-winning buzzer-beater shot in a Game 7 ever. Yeah. It's never happened before. And it's the second ever buzzer-beating shot in a winner-take-all game in NBA history. Like, that's only ever happened one before, where it was like, you win. Like, it's over now. Hmm. That's crazy to me. Yeah. You know? So, like, it's not... It's not... It's not Jordan's shot, but, like... I'd like to know what the what the ratio is, though. Like, how many... You know, yeah. is this, like, some sort of crazy statistic that... Yeah. You know, but, 20 guys have tried it and it's never happened before, oh, right? I, and I agree with the point you're making, um, and I'm sure obviously you see it this way too, though, is like, that's what makes the buzzer beater shot going in so much crazier, is like, how many games do we watch while every, literally every single fucking basketball game where there's a shot at the end of the game? Like, unless it's like a 10 point lead and they dribble it out, but like, if it's a close game, there's a shot at the buzzer. Yeah. And most of the time it doesn't go in. But sometimes it does. And sometimes you're Kawhi... Like, the five bounces, like, that was insane, man. Watching it bounce, 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 like... It was the first bounce, it's like you see it, and it's like, oh no. And the second bounce, like, because it was like... It was all in slow motion at the moment. Like, I don't know if it was like this for you. I guess not. Because you kind of had a feeling something was going on. But, like, I'm watching it. The second bounce happens, and, like, I swear to God I had enough time to think, oh shit, it might go in. <laughs> and then the third bounce happens, and it's like, you can almost see it coming. Like, it was fucking crazy, man. No, I'm not a huge... Like, my big problem with basketball is, like, I can watch a game, and I can appreciate it, and I, I can get involved and, you know, excited and, and appreciate a moment like Kawhi's there uh, with the shot from Sunday. But my problem is that I don't, I don't know some of the, the finer rules of the sport. Sure. So, when that ball is bouncing on the rim, mm-hmm. what's stopping one of the 76ers from just grabbing it goaltending but you can I make thought goaltending was if you came through the rim yeah and i mean like but it, it is hard to swipe it away unless you know for sure it's not going in is the thing especially in that moment hmm. because like it's just the problem is is that if that could be deemed as it was going to bounce in which it obviously was going to bounce in then they can call it goaltending. Like, okay. you can't sweep it, you can't just swipe it away. It, so is my understanding to the sport, anyway. Okay. I, th- but, I thought goaltending was only if you came through, like, underneath the basket and stopped it. No, it's in. it's like if the ball's clearly going in. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if for, but, like, the reason you don't see it more often is most people can't jump above the rim height, right? So it's like you very rarely see it where, like, it hits the backboard and it's about to go in and some guy jumps up, like, seven feet and fucking swipes it away at that point. You know what I mean? Mm. It just doesn't happen that often. So. Okay. That's fair. Just curious. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Big moment. Big shot. Yeah. Like, so, it was hard for me to compare 
what was crazier for me was it Tiger or Kawhi? Like, I, it's just like with Tiger, like, you didn't think you'd see it, but there was that slow sort of anticipation as the weekend went on that, like, oh shit, it might happen. With Kawhi, like, it was just one of those things, like, the last few seconds, it's like, okay, we're going overtime and hopefully overtime works out. Like, at no point did I consider that they were going to make that shot. And you try to inbound it with four seconds left, and it's like, yeah, okay, great, like, maybe you make a shot. But even if you make a shot close to the buzzer, you don't expect it to bounce in five times. You don't expect it to be Kawhi Leonard. And you definitely don't expect it to be Kawhi Leonard with Joel Embiid literally about to swallow his lunch right in his face. Like, that was crazy. That was such an un- like, such, sorry, such a contested shot. It was ridiculous. I can't believe he made that. Yeah, I don't know. It, I think it was bigger than, than Tiger. Like, yeah. maybe not in the aura of, um, you know, whether, Tiger whether or not... Tiger affected more people. Well, not even like that. That, that win affected was, more people. I think people. it was more about, like... I, I think the Tiger thing was more unpredictable in the sense that Tiger right. winning a right. Masters. But I think the whole thing with Kawhi was, like... The difference there was that... Like, like the spectacular th- sight to witness is what I mean. Exactly. All yeah. the things that had to go right. Like, he had to miss that second free th- uh, free throw shot. Uh, Fuck, and, was and I Bede, pissed at him for a minute. And had to go back down the other way and make the layup. God damn and then they had to inbound it. He had to get the shot off. It had to go in before, the, you know, time ran out. And it was just all those factors that came together. With Tiger, we kind of knew by, like, hole 16, you know, like, okay, he's won it. And this is just, we're just going to enjoy it now. We're just going to watch him ride it out and, and sink his putt on 18 and, and, and capture it. And, and it, a fabulous moment, like, to be said. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that Tiger thing is going to go down to one of the greatest moments in, in sports history. But I, I think Kawhi's is not far behind. It's, mm-hmm. it's just the way that those two events happened sure. as they built to what eventually was the ending. Yeah. I was real happy with the outcome, not just because I like the Raptors, but also because I uh, I thoroughly hate Joel Embiid. Sure. So I was pretty down for that. I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar. I don't like the 76ers at all. Okay. I don't know what it is. Their uh, their coach looks like he could be probably buddies with Trump somehow. Oh. Um, Jimmy Butler's an ass. I don't like them. Okay. Well, they're done now, so yeah. don't have to worry about them. Yeah, no. Good uh, good for us. So what, Bucks and Five, or...? Man, I see, like, this is where the... So, like, I feel like I know a decent amount of basketball, but, like, there are things I'll admit, especially this year, that I don't know. And I'm going to say this. Like, I didn't watch a non-Raptors uh, NBA game start to finish all season. Like, I didn't watch fucking Nuggets, uh, Rockets in the middle of December or anything. Like, I, I didn't... Sure. I literally... I, I watched a quarter here, a quarter there... So I didn't pay attention to the NBA. This is the least amount I paid attention to the NBA probably in the last 10 years was this year. I I don't really get the Bucks. I don't get it. Like, I watch them sometimes, and I, I just I don't get it. I don't get how some of the players they have are doing what they're doing. So to me, I think I'd rather play the Bucks than the Celtics. But I don't know that for sure. That might be an like extremely uninformed opinion is um is Giannis the best player in basketball right now no no No. not like not best overall or anything like that no Giannis is a pretty scary shooter for sure 
Um, but like I, you know, I I hate KD Durant, but like I I'd rather have Durant. I'd rather have Kawhi. I'd rather have fuck. Who am I forgetting? Well, probably LeBron. Howard. Howard. Dwight. No, the guy with the beard. Oh, Harden. Harden. Sorry. Uh, no, yeah. I'd rather have Giannis, probably. More complete player. Yeah. Harden's a freak, though. Who the fuck am I forgetting right now? Steph. Uh, Steph's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I forgot someone. Okay. Someone good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. DeMar? No. <laughs> no. Wow. I'm going to listen back to this, and I'm going to be so pissed later that I forgot somebody, like, right good. Well, anyway, it's gone now. Um, I was going to ask you a question. Um, cause you okay. watch this show. Is Game of Thrones alright, or... What's really, going on? Like, really I sure. like, is it, is it not alright? Do, do you have something to believe that it's, <laughs> it's not well? This is, this is like the most, like, me setting up you talking about something that I know nothing about. Because, like, I just hear negative things, and it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't have an opinion well, at what, all. What are you hearing? What, what's, what's, oh, the, man. what's the matter? Oh, man, Twitter tore apart that fucking last episode, for sure. Really? I heard that, like, it wait, like, they, that last episode wasted everyone's time watching the show for eight seasons. Okay. I've Character heard, development I've, out I've, the window. I've heard that argument. I mean, A, like, what do you, what the fuck do you expect these guys to do, first off? Like, the, the writers. Like... No, the writers got it 100%. But, but, but even, okay, even if you think that, though. What do you expect from them, though? Like, even if they didn't, what the hell do you expect them to do? Like, they're trying to write a story based on something that someone else wrote once. It's not always easy. And, like, if you were basing it loosely around that, that's one thing. But they're literally continuing a story from where someone left off. And, like, to my understanding, they're consulting George R. R. Martin the whole time. But, like... Yeah, because he hasn't written those books yet. But that's part of the problem. That's exactly yeah. it. Like, they're consulting him, but, like, they can only do so much with it. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's an insanely complicated spot to put them in. And I hate to be this guy, but if you look at their fucking credentials to this point, eh, there's no reason to believe that these are, like, amazing writers, either. Like, I'm not saying sure. they're not, because sure. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but, yeah. like, yeah, they're fucking... They wrote a couple episodes of It's, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much all they did. Okay, so... I've heard this argument about how, like, the character development has just been shot out. And, like, oh, you can't, you build up a character for eight years and then you drop this. If you go back, and, and the character they're, they're referencing is, is this one um, a female character who's who's kind of had a claim to... Um, Lorithia Tarnikian. Yes. Uh, she's, she's more or less had a claim to the entire, you know, uh, kingdom or whatever her entire life and it's, it's more or less about her progression to reclaim that that birthright and everyone's problem is is that in this in this penultimate episode spoilers um Ooh, nice spoiler alert she comes in and and the whole time she's been this merciful leader and she comes in and burns the city to the ground with her dragons okay and it's like okay no no one saw that coming which is fair i don't i don't think anyone saw that coming and if you don't like it that's fine if you're pissed about the 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 change and and the unpredictability that's fine i get it but don't tell me that this wasn't like hinted at because everywhere she went along her journey to get where she was she had the same issues it was like the first city city she got to she burnt it to the ground not to the same degree but she burnt it down the next one and the next one and the next one and 
the dialogue made her feel as, as though she was some sort of merciful leader and that she was going to spare the people and I'm here to save the people and I'm for the people. But every chance she got, she tore everything. The people? She tore everything. It's for the people? To the ground. Is she Bane? No. Okay. Close. But, and, and everyone freaks out because like, oh, she, she shouldn't have done that to the city. It's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Because it's been happening the whole fucking series. And like, and not, not only that, even if she didn't do those things, okay, you have to reassess the, the, yes! the things that oh, happened to her great. recently in the show. All right, her lover has turned her down. Her children have died. Um, her best friend has been murdered in front of her. She's lost the faith of all of her advisors who are conspiring against her, and she just kind of snapped. And you can't really blame her for it. And that's what's happening with Game of Thrones. And if you don't like it, fuck off. Don't watch the show anymore. You got one episode to go. You made it this far. You don't like it. I don't have to tell you because I, I, I thought that episode was fantastic. And the ending is setting up what might be uh, possibly, if they do this right, the greatest ending to a series that has garnered so much hype mm-hmm. and, and has a chance to like not let us all down like some, some past shows have done. So, sure. Yeah. I think it's fine. <laughs> so... Uh, a couple small things to to wrap this up. My thought is that a probably some of these people criticizing it are sort of right to a degree, but probably not as right as like they all make it seem to be when they all fucking gang up and say that this show's shit now. Like it's probably maybe taken a dip, but like whatever, most shows do. Secondly, yeah. like you know. I think this show just maybe is an example of, like, one time where a show just sort of... The show itself didn't. But, like, it's it's just... It's too popular. I think there's just too many idiots out there, and now it's just, like, getting blown out of proportion. Because, uh, I will say this for sure. Most people I know, uh, don't know how to watch things critically and just watch them and take it all in. So it's like, if you're expecting, like, things to go one way, and it goes another way, you're not fucking ready for it. Because, like, uh... This is probably going to be like, a, you know, one of my takes that people disagree with more. Eh, people maybe shouldn't watch certain fucking things because they're not smart enough to understand it. Yeah. No. Like, that's my thought. I don't know. I don't know, man. I agree with you there. I don't I, get it. I, I, I've, I don't... I've watched a lot of fucking bad movies where people are like, ah, oh, it's really good. And it's like, nah, it's not really, though. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Things can be fine, but also not be bad. Like, that's one thing people need to understand. It's like, just because it's not amazing doesn't mean it's bad. You know, things can be just all right. Mm-hmm. Most things are just all right. That's why, like, the, that's why when things are really great, it's like, oh, this thing's really fucking great. Like, the show is really great. You know? Yeah. Does no, that make sense? I, I agree with you. You gotta um, have you gotta have mediocre things to make things look great. Maybe think, this show's just maybe, like uh, like a, like a lot above average, but it's not like incredible. Maybe like it's possible. maybe it is more you know, popular than it should be. And, and probably. And, and that's probably a factor. But it's probably people watching who've never watched a good movie in their life. Yeah. But I, I'll disagree with you in the sense that it's it's taken a dip because I, I think this series well, was Well, it's not my really, take. I've never yeah, watched it. <laughs> I, I think the series was probably at its worst um, halfway through and uh, they made some changes that I think brought it back. They they didn't rush anything. I mean, we're all, we're all well aware of the the time between seasons that they've taken to really make sure that they, they nailed this. And I, I think that they've done it justice. And I think that this is, if you, if you wanted to go any further with it, I think it would be a mistake. That being said, they are making 
um, other stories based on this world of that uh, you know setting uh so you know prequel nonsense whatever may have you because there's there's a bigger story here obviously may have you. but um yeah i don't know i'm i wouldn't worry the show's fine if if it's not your cup of tea it's fine it's it's not going to be for everybody but just don't don't freak out cool. no one no one needs to freak out okay yeah. well let's talk some hockey i want to talk about first off uh the most important hiring of a european head coach all week, and that, of course, was uh, Ricard Gronberg going to ZSC, ZSC Lions. Yes, the rich. Zurich Lions. Yes. I mean, maybe not the most important hiring of, like, a European head coach, but it is annoying because Ricard Gronberg has arguably the greatest beard I've ever seen on, like, a hockey coach. Maybe in the hockey world. It's He's got a beard, dude. Wow. Like, I mean, okay. Like, who who's your favorite beard in the game? Is it Gronberg? It's gotta be because it's Burns to me. Burns is fine. Just Bur- Burns is. I like, love Burns's Burns beard. Burns is longer. Burns is wilder. But like Gronberg has got like he's got like layers to it, and there's like some See, color depth. You're right. And... Because Ricard Gronberg's got the type of like beard where like you know you can take him to like a nice like a really really fine dining place, and like he looks he looks like he fits in. It's pointy. Burns looks like the the. The guy that the rich daughter met at, at fucking Burning Man. That's what Burns looks like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, who the, what does this guy do? Oh, oh yeah, he makes $8 million playing hockey? Pfft, so what? Bur- Burns is what um, Tom Hanks would look like a few more months uh, uh, longer on Castaway. Two weeks in a row yeah. Castaway references, yeah. man. Had to. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, we're off to a good start here. But yeah, no, actually, the biggest hiring of a European head coach all week. Uh, Ralph Kruger. Named the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres like an hour before we recorded. Kind of a weird time to announce it at like 10.30 at night. Your thoughts on Ralph Kruger, my Not good sir. A fan. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm i running out of names in my reservoir of coaching. Like, avail- like I, I don't know who's left out there because I know there's been a lot of like recent transactions. And I don't know who, you know, Buffalo had at their disposal or, you know, anything like that. So I don't, I don't want to say that they've made a mistake because maybe this was the only guy that they could get but I, i've never liked him as a coach i've, I've never really gotten it like I, I don't really see what other people are seeing in him um i don't know he's fine he's he's probably like a high-end ahl coach at best but i don't know i don't i don't this guy keeps seems, seems to keep coming back into the league every, every couple years and i don't uh, i don't agree with it okay um, so one interesting thing about Ralph Kruger is, uh, Ralph Kruger has coached mostly soccer since he stopped coaching in the National Hockey League. Of course he has. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Sure. Um, listen, man, that'll, like, that'll help. I, 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 okay. Again, maybe not the greatest take because I, I can't really get into a huge argument with you on this one. I like the hiring, but I don't really have a lot of good reasons why, other than, like, I don't have a lot of negative things to say about Ralph Kruger. He had one shot, the team was hot shit, uh, he got fired, the next season they were even a bigger pile of flaming fucking garbage, so it's like, whatever. You know? I I don't know. What are you gonna do? That's (laughs) the thing. Like, that's that's the thing. That's why I'm saying, like, like... Who's left out there? Like, what did, what did Buffalo have well, to choose between? It was a like Kruger and, you know, like, Don Cherry? Then, yeah, maybe go Kruger. But, like... 
See, like, but the, the thing is, is it depends what route you want to go. Um, my thought is that Buffalo likely, like, I haven't heard this, but I just, I can't imagine this isn't true, because otherwise then I have some bigger issues with Buffalo. I am sure Buffalo tried to talk to the Toronto Maple Leafs about Sheldon Keefe, and I'm pretty positive that the Leafs said no, and or, or Keefe said no, or both, or some combination. Um, I'm sure, like, DJ Smith, Jim Hiller came up, these are Leaf guys, but, like, also, you know, maybe Lane Lambert in New York, I guess he's in now. Um, yeah. But, like, the thing with Kruger is a lot of people, at least back in the day, because, like, my mo- this is the fucked up thing, though, is my most recent scouting report, because I'm not, like, in the know of Ralph Kruger, is what I knew of him in 2013. He was a Dallas Eakins type. So maybe they just like Kruger more. But Eakins has more of like a recent resume. So that's why like I would think Eakins would have higher priority. But still like I I don't know that there's a lot of real names. It it depends what you're looking for is the main thing. Um, Is it it kind of a slap in the face to Buffalo that uh, Michelle Terry and Mike Yeo both chose assistant jobs over maybe the head job in New York? See, but here's the thing. If I'm Buffalo, I'd rather have... Kruger than Tarion and Yo. Like it's just like to me oh, you know uh, Yo and no, Tarion no, no. are bad choices. Like you know they are. Oh. Kruger you're, might be a bad you're choice. You're talking about a guy that's been coaching a different sport. <laughs> Maybe you learned some stuff. I doubt <laughs> I it. No. Man, but like I I would take Tarion in, in a heartbeat over over uh Kruger. Yo is more debatable. I, I can see your point there. But. I I don't think you could pay me money to hire either as an NHL general manager. Oof. You couldn't. I if I honestly, if I were Buffalo, I'd take the shot on fucking Lane Lambert. Take the shot on on DJ Smith. If you can't get either of these guys, like there has to be someone else out there. That fucking McFarlane guy, like you know, like there's tons of guys that are out there who have been like assistants to and Where's things Paul like McLean that. These days? Sure, yeah. I'd rather them, but like these guys who have proven themselves to be bad coaches. Why do we keep giving them chances? The fucking, they, they were apparently down to this or Jacques Martin last week. Jacques Martin, do you remember Jacques Martin? That's the main. That's the whole joke. You should never have to say, do you remember so-and-so when you're talking about hiring them as a fucking head coach. Jacques Martin has done a fine job helping teams out because he was never a good head coach, but he's a smart enough hockey guy to be on the bench. So is Terry and so is Yo, but that doesn't mean they should coach anymore as head coaches. I'm, I'm not saying Kruger's a great hire. I'm just happy they didn't go with a quote-unquote obvious choice because usually those are bad hires. I, but I don't nowadays. think there's any obvious choices left. That's that's No, but like a Terry and, Terry and Ariyo or something. Like, they never interviewed those guys. They could have interviewed oh, them weeks ago. See, see, I, don't, or at I least, don't know that. I don't know that they didn't interview them. So. It, it was never reported anyway. Sure. They could have. I, I but usually that information gets out. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they would have been smarter just to wait until the offseason and see who gets canned in the next. It is the offseason. For Buffalo, yes. Who's going to get canned now? John Torello Everyone's might get canned fired. there, guys. I don't think so. Well, we don't know that yet. There's a chance. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a chance that Dubas still fires Babcock. It's not going to happen. Most of these teams want to get this out of the way. Like, to let this go this long is kind of weird. I don't know. 
It's late. I'd wait. It's really late. I'd wait. Where's Ralph Kruger going that you're not going to be able to pick him up in August? Fucking soccer season soccer. starts soon, yeah, man. Good. Soccer yeah. season just ended yesterday. It's probably Jesus. starting again tomorrow. Um, okay. Well, I don't hate it. You hate it. That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Um, let's keep yelling at each other, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Landis Cog. Uh, I yeah. guess I'll keep talking. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Landis Cog got a goal disallowed against his team. Um, well... Yeah, I guess. I, I'll just phrase it that way. He got a goal uh, disallowed against his team. Uh, game 7, uh, if you didn't see it, first off, where you been? Secondly, uh, I guess what happened was some fucking avalanche was skating the puck over the line. Gabriel Landeskog was on the other side of the ice from where the play was coming in, uh, but was still over the blue line, going on to his team's bench. And that's offside, where I come from. Now, the debate is here, you know, People are phrasing the debate weird to me. There's two. There's two parts to it, from what sure. I, from my understanding. You, you might be covering what I'm about to say. So go okay. ahead. Okay. So th- there's two angles here. It, it's that when whoever jumps over the bench to replace Landeskog on the ice jumps onto the ice, Landeskog is no longer part of the play. Okay. So it, there, there's the thinking here that he, it's either too many men or it's fine. Because it can't be both, and, and and that's one. It's it's tough. I kind of see the argument, but there's something there. The other one is that there was no conclusive video evidence that was released to uh, our side of it um, that showed that he was definitively didn't have his blade on the blue line when he left the bench, and the play was called onside. So, in in my understanding of the rule. There needs to be conclusive evidence to overturn it. Mm-hmm. Not, well, it was already offside and this is too hard to tell, so we'll make it offside. No, he was onside and it's too hard to tell whether he was offside. Mm-hmm. And they they decided to overturn it. I had a bigger problem with that than I did the whole yeah. too many men thing. But. Yeah, I you know what? I, I honestly didn't even really get to that part of it Um I never honestly really considered it that far. The The part that sort of annoys me about it is the people trying to argue to me that, um, you know, it, it's the too many men debate versus the uh, onside offside debate. To me, growing up playing hockey, you have to do everything you can to be onside. And if you're Gabriel Landeskog, and you know having played hockey for 20 fucking years of your life, that as soon as you go over the blue line or near the blue line and the play is going over on the other side, it's offside. That's just the fucking rule. Whether you're going off the ice, whether you're skating into the play, whether you're changing, whether your stick reaches over to grab your fucking mouth guard like an idiot, you can't cross the line. So don't even put the possibility there. Don't even put it there. Change on the other door. Like, like hop over the boards on the right side of the blue line. I agree with you. Like, I didn't see any conclusive evidence, and that's sort of the other debate, and we'll get into that in a second. But to me, it was a sloppy change. And to me, say you did have conclusive evidence, there's no fucking defending it on Gabriel Landeskog's side, I think. It's, like, it's sloppy. The, the too many men part of it, you... It's semantics to me. You're offside. You went over the line, you're offside. So just change a little bit over, and it's not a big deal. Now, the conclusive evidence part 
is where I come in. And, you know, this is kind of where I wanted to take this conversation more so. Fucking, I am so fucking sick of video replays, it's insane. Like, I don't e- I hate having these conversations. I didn't even want to get into this this week, but we have to. This is so fucking stupid that we have to tear apart these small little things every single time we watch a hockey game. We have to get in our arguments about, is it too many men or is it offside? Is it one or the other? Like, it shouldn't fucking matter. It shouldn't matter. This shit shouldn't matter. We shouldn't be taking a look to see if his blade is off the ice. Like, are you fucking kidding me? We took ten minutes in a game seven to watch that, see if it a blade come off the ice, and then, like, some people say it did and some didn't, and now they're all arguing? Like, this is stupid. It takes away from the game. What the fuck is the game anymore? It's 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 the game of cameras at this point, and it's yeah. stupid to me. Well, I'll disagree with you a little bit on, on the comments about Landis Scott here because I too played hockey my entire life and um, I know that when I'm offside it's my responsibility to take up and the entire time that I'm offside I'm going to hear some guy in stripes yelling at me uh, no 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 or off 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 or whatever it might be and as soon as he goes clear and waves his hands then the play is onside and that's what happened in this instance the referee deemed mm, the play on the referee deemed the play onside as soon as Lionel Scott got back to the bench, we got we got clear. Now the Avalanche start en- entering the zone. It's it's a fast game. It's happening within milliseconds of each other. But you can't tell me if you've got the puck as an Avalanche forward, and you don't have the all clear from the referee that you're deliberately seeing the puck over that blue line. No, you're probably going to dump it in. Or you're responsibility is not back. on the puck carrier. There, it's I not. Think. But That's you're relying on that referee. You, you are going off the six. Know, if you're a NASCAR driver, you're waiting for that green light. If you're a hockey player, you're waiting for that referee to give the green light. Because otherwise, you're either circling back to remain in possession of the puck. See, but this is my point. Like, why are we even debating this? This is fucking stupid. Like, my point is about the video replay. It's conclusive or it's not conclusive. And it's like we're literally spending ten minutes arguing about a fucking skate blade at the end of the day. Like, that's what it is, Right. right? Right. To me, like, yeah, sure, okay, let's say Landis Cog was in the right, which he's not, but, like, whatever. Like, my point is that we overcompensated for one single fucking incident, and it's, like, possible, like, I'm not gonna say it's ruined hockey. Like, hockey's still fine, but this doesn't help at all. This doesn't help the game. This is a step back. No, it doesn't. To me. But we have, like, what's more important to you is, is it getting it right and avoiding, because... There, we there, still don't get it right, though, so it doesn't matter. There, there, we're still getting it wrong almost just as many times. Obviously, Well, no, I, I don't think we're getting it wrong. We're just taking far This is wrong, though, isn't it? Your argument is that was a wrong call. That there was no conclusive evidence. That's your argument. Yes. yes. See, I, I thought he... I still thought he was offside. But it might be more of the philosophical to me. It looked to me like he was offside. But conclusive or not, like, to me it was. But whatever. Like, I don't know. Maybe I fucking didn't see it as well. Sure. So... There's there's two plays here. One happens in a in a throwaway game in February. Matt Duchesne goes offside. Another one happens in the first round of the playoffs between the Lightning and the and the Montreal Canadiens uh, two months later. And that off season, we decide we're going to bring in video replay for offsides. Now, what's the greater of the evils here? Is it is it these video replay? Uh, sorry, these video re- replays to get the call ninety five percent right, or is it when 
this happens in overtime of Game 7 in the Seneca Finals, and it goes uncalled. What's what's the bigger outcry here from from the damaging to the sport? That they're still going to get it wrong. That's my point. Because they're still getting this shit wrong. So, like, maybe they fixed it. Maybe they didn't. We're not going to know until that play happens. But, like, to me, it seems like every few games in the playoffs, there's still that was offside, that was off onside, this was the wrong call, that was the wrong call. Like, it seems to happen... I don't want to say more, but it's more magnified than it used to be. It's definitely sure. more magnified, but so I, it's I, I like, think they're getting it, it right more often than they're getting it wrong. Like, to the sure, point where maybe. I, I can't think of one that was wrong. Aside from maybe this, this Lannister one. This one, dependingly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, That might be the first me, one that I've ever seen. Yeah. So See, like, and, and here's the thing. Like, this is, this is what pisses me off, too, is, like, so many people get into this, and so many people fucking dissect every single little call, man, like... I don't know, I just assume they're right, and when they get it wrong, I just deal with it. Like, it, it goes back to what I, the point I was making about Landis Cog, like, I don't know, man, like, when I played most of the time, if the refs just made a call, it was like, whatever. Right or wrong, it is what it is. Like, what the fuck am I gonna change about it? So, like, if they wanna, if they get these calls wrong or right, like, as a hockey fan, I'm sitting there watching the game, I, I very rarely get heated about it, because it's like... Whatever. Like, what can I change? I'm not going to change anything. Right. They get it right, they get it wrong. I like human error in sports. I'm a human error, I'm a purist. Sure. So, like... And that's fine. But that's that's where my question comes into you, is is, is that okay when it's overtime of Game 7 of the Seneca Finals? Is, is Are you going to be able to live with that when your yeah. team loses because we have the technology to do this, we, have, we can prevent it, but it happens anyway. Yeah. And you can live with that? Well, I mean, but isn't that how Dallas won the Stanley Cup in 99? No. 2000? I hate that oh, argument. That argument is such bullshit. People don't understand the rule. That's the, part, that's the big problem. No, but, but, that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, almost all of these come down to people supposedly not understanding rules. Like, that's all these come down to. Like, to me, Landis Cog's offside. But other people see it as you can't be too many men or you can't be offside. Like, no, the whole rule is just you can't go over the line there's no there's like there are sub rules but that is the rule there are little parts about offside where certain things count and don't count but like at the end of the day it's still like my point is just that that, but what's what's the 99 thing where's where's the confusion there you just said people don't understand the rule because there was no rule that that's my that's my argument offside is you're either offside or offside then there's a rule there that there was no rule involving Brett Hall there used to be and they changed mm-hmm. that, and then there wasn't, and then people still thought that there mm-hmm. might be, which doesn't. Make and sense then people to me. still get upset about Marty Jelena in Game Six. Sure, it's not conclusive to me. It's not conclusive. I thought that was no goal, but people say it is conclusive, and then there's entire pictures of it online. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying that's like this, better, shit, this better, shit has happened yeah. before. Yeah, and people are going to frame it however way they want to frame it. Right. You know, to me, human error is fine, man. Like people like they get they get calls wrong all the time it, it just happens in sports if you watched if you watched game seven sixers and raptors the other night almost every single foul call was garbage on both sides it was a horribly reft game it is what it is like that's mm-hmm. just human error and like basketball it's hard, it's a lot harder to watch than the other three major team sports because of the refing. but like it is what it is yeah you know 
I there guess is no just, rule book in the NBA. It's I, I guess there's just that argument, like, if you can get it right, why not? And some people are going to agree with that, and some yeah. people aren't. So. Yeah, it was quite a shitstorm. I will say that on Twitter yeah. about it, but what are you going to do? So. It's an interesting argument. I, I, I sympathize with people, especially Avalanche fans, because there is some logic there. Like, if if you're no longer part of the play, then... Mm-hmm. How are you offside? I, I get that. Like in the big picture, it, no. it, there's an argument there. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of philosophical arguments, is what it is, right? Like to yeah. me, it is you know, like my my argument is just to in like ten words or less. The rules are the rules. You're over the line. Yeah, it's offside. Like that's just the way I see it, and I I, I agree with people. I I get the other argument. That's just not the way I see it. Yeah, but not for it sure. is what it is. What are, what are you going to do? Um, now. The way I do see it, though, is it's May. It's going to be May 15th right now. <laughs> Which means Airedale is open for the season, baby! Uh, this week's sponsor of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is, and our proud sponsor, and our only sponsor every week, but God, do we love them. Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting. Our good friends, the Werns, are up in Wawa now getting things ready to go, getting the outpost camps ready for you to fly in, do your fishing. Uh, If you've never been to Airedale, which I'm imagining a lot of you have not, it is a great way to enjoy the outdoor experience like never before in northwestern Ontario. Uh, The fly-in experience helps keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. They have 18 remote fly-in outpost camps, um, 18? 18. Have I never noticed that before? No. How many did you think they had? Like three? Yeah, like two or three. <laughs> you thought they had two planes to fly to two different camps? Have you been saying 18 this whole time? It's 18 camps, bro. Jesus. Yeah. Go, go on. Maybe more or less now. I don't think so. But as as of the last time they updated me, it was 18. I thought there was just like 40 people camped out on like one or two beaches just like... Would you think this was a fucking father-son fishing trip or some shit? Yeah, kind of. Like on The Simpsons with Ernest Borgnine as... <laughs> I've kid. never been. Don't blame me. Oh, man. You 18. ever seen that Simpsons episode? No, I haven't. That's been. a good one. It looks like uh, there's a real conflict in you, me, and Dupree right now. Dupree's sitting out in the rain. Uh, Matt Dillon and Kate Hudson looking at him. Um... It's the, Airedale's a great experience, though. Um, they don't really have a lot of ways for you to watch You Mean Dupree, but boy, do they have a lot of ways for you to enjoy the wilderness like never before. Visit www.outpostcamps.com. They'll be open until October 31st this year, uh, so considering the season is on, you may want to control your booking and get there real soon to enjoy the best that Northwestern Ontario has to offer. Can we go October 31st? Like, get all our Halloween garb, you know, go in costumes, hang out in the woods, do some fishing, scare some folks? You can go whenever you want to, big boy. As long as it's before October 31st. I guess. Um, The Hurricanes had to eat a poop sandwich this week, and then I guess they ate another poop sandwich tonight because they took a 3-0 series deficit against the Boston Bruins. Did you say deficit? Deficit. Ah, deficit. I see. What? I thought maybe you said defecate. That's a that's a poop joke. That's where we're at now. Yelling about offsides and making poop jokes. Mm. Yeah. My prediction was wrong. Your prediction's probably right about this series. You took Bruins in five. Have you watched much of this series? Not a second. 
Yeah. No. I'm Can't really glad I haven't because it's yeah it's it's a lot of it's a lot of enraging and like there's a reason why I didn't like put on the breakdown this week the Landis Cog thing and then be like hey let's also talk about Brad Marshawn this week because like we need to only yell at each other a certain amount of times an episode uh, we'll we'll trash on Brad Marshawn in a few weeks when he wins the Con Smythe but I thought uh, Justin Williams' comments were kind of funny but um, this has been a, a severe mismatch this series which is kind of weird because like i don't know man i still kind of stand by my pre-series thoughts like i'll admit like boston's really good i knew they were really good but carolina is also really good like carolina just gets like equated to be this uh cinderella team but they've been like one of the better teams in the league other than scoring goals and keeping the puck out of their net but, like, the other 59 and a half factor. minutes... Yeah, that's what I mean, right? But, like, the other 59 and a half minutes, they dominate teams. Like, it's we- they're the fucking weird team, but... I think the better team in this series has been Carolina. Chuka Rask has been... You've been watching? Godlike. No, you can... But you don't have to watch, like, the game. You don't, you don't have to watch the games to know well, what happens. Not, no, when you, right. not when every game ends with a goalie with a 970 save percentage. Like, the, the Hurricanes are throwing... Everything, including the kitchen sink, at this guy, and he's stopping almost all of it. Like that's, it's. What do you do? I have to disagree with you. If they threw a kitchen sink at Tuka Rask, I have to believe that he would at least fall over. Mm-hmm. Depends who's throwing. If it's Warren Fogle, uh, he's, he's probably okay. If they if they bolded at him from center ice and slid it to the goal. Because because of the bowling storm. No, I, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you what do you do when when the goalie against you is is got a, a nine sixty six save percentage? I, I believe in in the three games against you. This movie's great. That's like there's nothing there's nothing you can counter that with. Like, you're getting thirty six plus shots a night. Your goaltender is holding you in it for the most part. Mrazek had one bad game there. It's gonna happen. But McElhinney goes in tonight. He allows two goals. He lost two goals. He hasn't he hasn't played in in, in like a week. Mm-hmm. He makes makes thirty four saves. That's fine. That's what you want. That's all you need because you should be able to do the same. But the other guy just happens to be a little bit better at the other end of the ice, and mm-hmm. and there's there's no there's no shame in that. I think the Hurricanes have been the better team. They're not getting the result that you know maybe they deserve. Um, and and Boston's found a way to win. Um, I don't know. I, I expect a, a hungry Hurricanes team in game four on home ice. I don't think that uh, this one's over in four. I stand by my five. Um, depressing as that is. Yeah, I stand by my Hurricanes in six in philosophy only, not in uh, actual hmm. practical Statistics. predictions yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save my Hurricanes post-mortem and... Uh, evaluation of how the team is built until they're actually eliminated because I'm not going to rule out the possibility that they win four straight here, although I'm not exactly betting money on it. Hey, Boston's uh, blown now, four straight before. So. That said, I, I am betting money on it because, you know, the odds are so hilarious. But, uh, yeah, Boston's blown a a, a, a 3 nothing series lead before, albeit Took a rask. nine years ago with Simone Gagne mm. on the Flyers. True. But you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens here, but I, I, I'm hoping this isn't it for the for the bunch of jerks. But I'm really not holding my breath. That's fair. That this is going to uh, to get much better. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. 
Speaking how, of how teams are constructed, the Toronto Maple Leafs signed President Brendan Shanahan to a six-year extension today. Um, Wait, so how does that work? Does he just be like, I want to stay around for six more years. I'm going to sign myself to 50 kajillion billion dollars. Maybe it's like he says it, but everyone below him in the organization has to approve it. So like the like players a, oh, and the folks, coaches and the training staff and like the, the popcorn guy and Dubis and like the beer guys and like everyone has to sign off on it. Nice. So like there was one, maybe there was one guy who like sells the milk duds in, and like February, he's like, ah, I don't like Brandon Shannon. Shannon's had to like win him over as the months have gone on in like a you, me and Dupree style of like the, the, the underdog growing on you. This movie's great. <sighs> it's something. Uh, the Oaks at Mesa Vista. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I guess I'm assuming Larry Tannenbaum just signed him. I don't understand. Who the else city would? of Toronto has signed. Um, well, I guess. I guess it's it's executives of Bell and executives of Rogers too, because they own the Leafs. So, like, I guess it's just the ownership is who puts him in place, because that's generally who puts the president of the team in place. Um, it comes as no surprise, although it comes as a bit of a surprise, because like. I don't think anyone has ever really speculated Brendan Shanahan would be leaving the Leafs, but... I didn't even know he was due for a contract extension. Mm, no. I just assumed he was there until someone said... You're not here yeah, anymore. Yeah, we're it's fine. Just, is, or until he literally said, I am God now. Yeah. I am leaving. And, like, literally descended into the heavens like Poochie the dog on uh, The Simpsons. Another reference I don't understand. So, uh, there was an episode of The Simpsons in which uh, Itchy and Scratchy, the cartoon show, you know Itchy and Scratchy? Yeah. Yeah, so Itchy and Scratchy was getting dull ratings, so they proposed that they add a new character, so it was going to be Itchy, Scratchy, and Poochie. And so they had auditions, everyone in Springfield would audition to be on this show, and guess who they chose to be the voice of Poochie? Marge's sister? Homer Simpson. So Homer was the voice of Poochie, and basically uh, the character was so bad on the show that they had to kill off Poochie, but they were trying to figure out how to do it, right? So the way that the writers figured was the best way to do it was Homer gave this like really long speech about how like you know he wasn't going to be killed off or pushed away or anything like that, and then the editors just like wrote it in that uh, he had to ascend into the heavens and go to his home planet. I have to go now. My planet needs me. And he just, like, ascends up. And that's it. That's fantastic. I, I don't think that's going to happen with Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, but... so Brendan Shanahan signs an extension. Um, it's good news for the Leafs, I think, because I... Um, other than his comment about how all of his buddies in Detroit took less money to be there, uh, I haven't really disagreed with a single thing Brendan Shanahan has done since he's been with the Leafs. And even that was, like, a small thing. Yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'd rather see him there than somewhere else. Yeah, like, I... I I loved Lou until close to the end, and then it was time to go. But, like, they got rid of him at the right time. They, they made... They played that perfectly. They've been fine with Babcock. Like, whatever. Yeah. They've I done a know. good job. Yeah, it's been good. The team image has been great. They're allowed to grow beards now and stuff again. Like, I, I think it's great. I love Brendan Shanahan. He's a board. great guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, part of what Brendan Shanahan's job responsibilities entail, I guess, because no one really knows what Brendan Shanahan's job actually entails, but uh, is 
you know, hiring the general manager, supposedly. And one of the things that the general manager, a.k.a. Uh, 17-year-old Kyle Dubas, has to deal with this summer is he has to sign one of his wingers, Mitch Marner, to a contract. Have you heard of him? We're familiar. For those of you who have not heard of Mitch Marner, he's uh, good at hockey. But the debate is, how good is he at hockey? Which is, uh, you know, kind of a fun one. And uh, if I'm being completely honest with you, boy, can I not wait until this fucking kid signs a contract. Because, my God, am I sick of hearing about it. So here's my thoughts. Is you and I today, because an article came out, and Pierre Lebrun reported about what he thinks is going on with Marner's camp and what has happened. Um, Basically, the Leafs are hoping for a 9.5 over 5 years contract. And the belief is that Mitch Marner's camp will not settle for anything less than $11 million. So my thought is not, what do you think the Leafs are going to sign him to? Because I don't really care about that. What would you do if you're Kyle Dubas? And what would I do if we're Kyle Dubas? Like, what, is, what, what are your thoughts? Not what is going to happen. What would you do? What is fair money? What is your thoughts on how to approach the situation? Yeah. You can't sound. You have thirty that. seconds. Yeah. You you can't sound to that much money. There's no way. There's 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 no precedent in the league for any single winger costing their team that percentage of the cap hit. The, the are you telling me that Mitch Marner is the greatest winger in NHL history over the last over, over the cap era? Fucking Leafs Twitter would make you believe that. Like, <laughs> I it, it's it's unfathomable to think that. The guy is going to make that much money based on one season, one very good season, where the guy that was next to him was John Tavares, who, may I remind you, made everyone in New York look like 40 goal scorers and then quickly crumbled to the sea when they left town, i.e. Kyle Ocposo. Um I don't get it. Matt Molson. Sure. P.A. Parenteau. The list goes on. It's it's not a short list. Mitch Marner is a good hockey player. He happens to play with another good hockey player in John Tavares. Together, they do good things together. And good things happen for the team. But this idea that Mitch Marner is worth... what What is that? Like, like 13, 14% of the cap? It's ridiculous. My favorite part about this rant is I'm picturing you sitting across the table from Mitch Marner and Mitch Marner's agent just saying that. <laughs> just looks crazy, hair everywhere. Yeah. It's like 8.30 in the morning. I'll it's like, do it. you're insane! Have you been up all night, Mr. Cole? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really disagree with you. Because um, you're, you're not wrong. Um, like, you're right. But here's, here's kind of how I see it as a rational thinking Leaf fan that is pretty much on board for what Kyle Dubas is going to do. First off, I don't see any way the Leafs end up paying him over $11 million. If they do, I would rather have Marner at 11.2 than two Brandon Sod types at 6. It's not to say that that's who you're going to sign at $6 million. Say they sign fucking, you know, Janssen and Bracco, six million each, and they each get seventy points a season. Well, then it, wor- it worked out pretty fucking good. But a lot of times there are mistakes made in the five to six million dollar range. To me, I would rather have one elite forward over two potentially really good forwards in a sense. 
Um, now that said, yeah, you're getting real into the danger zone at eleven million dollars, though. Like that, that it's hard to make that argument even at that point. To me, my issue with Mitch Marner, though, is that I have always sort of had my doubts that he is that good like the type of good that people make him out to be because when he's on the guy is ridiculous like he actually could be a top three winger in the nhl um like very realistically my problem is the 20 or 30 games i watch a year where mitch marner i i don't even know if he's healthy or not because he's just non-existent and people tell me those games don't happen but like i watch these games where it's like i i marner got a shot in the first period and then, you know, had a good penalty kill in the third or something, which I'm also not that crazy about him doing, but we're going to do that, I guess. Like, I just, I, I, I hate to say it, but I do think a lot of people overrate him because he has consistency issues to his game. Even if he's the best winger in the league, wingers are not worth that percentage of the cap. Mm-hmm. It just, they're just not. I'm sorry. It's it's your it's your top-line center it's maybe your second line center, your goalie, your Drew Doughty, or your Duncan Keith on the, your stud defenseman kind of thing. Those are the guys you give the big money to. I think if Mitch Marner played the way that Mitch Marner plays at the height of his game, Mitch Marner's worth eleven million dollars a year. The debate, but if, if he yeah. did it eighty-two games a year, the debate isn't whether or not he's worth it. The debate is whether the you know like he's gonna get it because he deserves it because like. I would I would pay Mitch Marner. No, but I'm debating you right now. Is he worth it? That's what I'm talking about with you. He's he's because like I said, it's not. Is he going to get it? We're, yeah, we're talking he's, about. He's is, probably worth it. I I probably pay the guy twenty million dollars to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he's not going to get it because that's not how the cap works. Because that's not how the the, the game works. Right. It's just not going to happen. I don't understand why he thinks it's going to happen. Yeah. He had one good season. Congratulations. Like that doesn't entitle you to the vault. So he's not worth it. That's that's what I'm getting at, though. I don't care if he thinks he's going to get it. He's worth. I'm it. asking you to think as a general manager right he's now, worth not it. as he's a not fucking. He's not going to get it. Yeah, that's that's my answer. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I I think if you want to sign him to that number, to manage the asset to keep a player of that caliber on board, because, you know, I mean, quite frankly, like people talk about like taking the fucking first round picks and Panarin. I'd almost rather take the first round picks and we'll talk about Panarin. Because, like, I don't know if I want to fuck... I love Artemi Panarin. I don't know if I want to fucking sign Artemi Panarin for seven years, $10 million. A million less than Marner? Like, yeah, really? If we're arguing... Like, this is my point, right? Yeah. If we're talking about... Because, like, I compared it to $6 million players. And I, I was planning to scale this argument up. If the difference is $1 million between Panarin and Marner, give me Mitch Marner. Is my pro- is my thought, like the first round picks? Don't get me wrong; we'll get to that in a second. But like, if the argument is just player for player, it's not even fucking close. Panarin's unbelievable, but it's not even close because Panarin on his off nights is worse than Marner on his off nights. You know? Yeah. So first round picks. Now that's a different story. You know what I mean? That's that's a that's a different argument. And I don't even really want to get into that one right now, but. No, I, I don't... It's just to me, like, I... He's, under- a, he's an RFA. What's going to happen? Yeah. This thought... I, I agree with you. Like, I... Like, you're, you're talking about, like, oh, two guys at $6 million or, or Panarin. You're not replacing him. 
he's just not going to play. It's, it's going to be William Nylander 2.0. He's just, it's going to, he's going to sit there and December 1st is going to come along and he's either going to say, hey, I'd like to play hockey because my stock's going to go through the shitter mm-hmm. if I don't, or, you know, he'll sit out the season because he actually thinks he's worth that much money and well, he'll never get that much money ever and, and again. And that's my point, right, is like, you know, and I wrote an article about Patrick Laine in December, you know, everyone getting worried that he's going to get offer sheeted. And the the whole point that people forget about is, well, they have to want to go. Like, they're not signing an offer sheet to back their organization into a corner. Because you can't do that. Because if your organization says that they don't want to sign you, you have to go to this other team now. So first off, Marner needs to find a team where he wants to go. And he thinks that him signing for $11.5 million isn't going to hinder the team. But athletes don't really think that way. So, like, he's not going to be too concerned about that, I don't think. My point, though, is where, like, what teams can actually afford to do that? Both in money and in assets. Like, which team is, is at that point where they're sure enough that they're far along in their rebuild and their building of their team that they can sign a sign Marner for let's say eleven and a half million, and B afford to give up four first round picks, because like the chances of you drafting a Marner type with those four four first round picks, if you think you're built as good as you think you're built, yeah, it's pretty low. My problem is that you need to know that a lot of the guys coming up through the system are good enough, so like. Colorado, if Joe Sackick wants to think that way. Carolina, you could make the argument, but I don't think their owner's into into that. <laughs> Arizona, maybe? You yeah. know? Because he's not going to go to fucking Anaheim, who's rebuilding. You know? He can't go to Calgary, who doesn't have the cap room. And I'm just naming teams off the cuff right now. No, for sure. Columbus yeah. doesn't have the draft picks. Like, you start going down the list it's really easy to start eliminating teams. And like, hey, I, I believe the reports. I believe that offer sheets are a real threat this year too. I'm just, I'm not sure that when they say that, that Marner actually is the guy that's going to be the guy signing the offer sheet at the end of the day. And if he wants to, it's his career. That's the way I see it. If Marner signs that offer sheet, man, as a Leaf fan, it'd be a lot, and I'll admit, it'd be a lot different if they didn't have Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Riley. I'd feel a lot different if Marner was our only guy. If this were Sundin on a team of nobodies. Yeah. Yeah, I'd feel a little different. But here we are. I, and that's you know, and that's just it. And it's like, a greedy way end, to look at it. At the end of it, the but... day, the Leafs are one of the few teams that can, to a degree, afford to sign him. So if someone decides that they're going to come in and, and offer him that, and he does decide, yeah, I, I'd like to do, to do that, the Leafs, at the end of the day, they can sit back and say, no, we want you more, and we'll match it, and we'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, okay, you won. You got your money. But we also kind of won because we kept Mitch Marner on our team, and we've also got all these other fantastic players. But I just don't see that being a pot. Like, I, I don't see a team walking in and saying, yeah, our entire future, you can have it, and uh, we're also going to give you uh, $12 million to do that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get Mitch Marner, which is fine, because like Mitch Marner is probably a great hockey player. But Mitch Marner is going to go to a team that, because they're giving away their future and so much money of their of their cap, they're probably not going to do so hot. So 
what what is their end game it, in, that, it, in that regard? It does depend. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying in a sense. Unless there are teams who Carolina. may make the gamble. Carolina would be I'm the sh- only one. I'm sure there are teams. Like, even if teams wanted to go out of their way and clear the cap to sign Marner. Mm. But the problem is, is like, say that team's Nashville. Okay. And to do so, you're moving out Subban, who was on a down year this past year. It's all well and good that you're moving out Subban. But you don't know. Analytics even can't even tell you this. Analytics try to help you predict the future, but they they can't. Nothing can. You don't know that the move you're making to try and bring Marner in is the undoing of part of what is making your team good. Sure. Like, you can use all this data, but at the end of the day, you, you can't predict how everything's going to react quite that accurately. You just can't. Crystal ball. Like, the only team, I think, in the last 15 years that's just been one step ahead of themselves, and you could even argue this, might be San Jose. Is the only team that seems to, like, never have to, like, take a huge step back to move forward. They've just always been really good. And they have ne- they haven't won a cup. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, th- this is the point. I'm, like, there's so much to weigh. So my thought, and this is where we were going at it, is the negotiations have technically just started because technically they weren't talking through the year. You know Marner's agent was talking to Kyle Dubas. Like, you know he was, but Marner wasn't involved. Eventually, I think he's going to come in around 10-5 at maybe five years. Too much. And that's fine if it is. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, I'm just curious. Like, you would argue Kane is too high on the cap? Or you would argue Kane's better than Marner? I'm just curious. I would argue that Kane was worth more when they signed him. So, he's overpaid at this point. He's overpaid at this point, yeah. But the contract made sense at the time, Mm -hmm. is is what I'll say Where would you put Kane in now? If I had to give him, like, today's... A cap hit. Yeah, seven, seven, five. Oh, come on. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. See, I thought Kane was a guy who, if the Blackhawks were like five points better, should have been nominated for the heart. Like, he had a stupid year last year. Sure, but he's 31 now. Nice. Like, he's he's not... Yeah. No, I... I yeah. I'm talking today. See like, what you're saying. You know, if you could adjust salary year by year like the fucking MLB, sure. then in all in a yeah. perfect world, right? Like, but, Nikita Kucherov just had the greatest season uh, any Russian players ever had. That's a formidable list. Mm-hmm. He's making nine and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's that's stupid. Yeah, that guy is the guy that should be making maybe eleven million dollars. But that's it. That's that's the yeah. most I would give Kucherov. See, and that's funny. Dollars. Like when you get to that high end spectrum too. Like, I I think that's too much for Kucherov. But I could argue it for Marner. Like it's sure. weird because yeah. just I I don't I don't have a lot of faith in Kucherov in like five years from now. But um, so I think that's where Marner is going to come in. Uh, where I would. Ideally, in an ideal world, um, not far off what the Leafs are pitching them, I'd probably give them ten five. But that would be kind of my my line. But I mean, like, the, like that's the diff. That's the hard point, though, right? Is like, say, say you draw a line at ten five, and he wants eleven, and it's like this is the difference between letting him walk. Like this is this is why GM's such a hard job is because yeah. it's like, See, are just... we really gonna do this over 500k? But if you do it over 500k with everyone, 
then you're going to end up paying everyone a collective $5 million too much because, you know what I mean, you gave Marner 500k too much, you gave Riley 500k too much, you yeah. gave so-and-so five. you know what I mean, if you keep it's, giving in, like, you have to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, it's, it's different if you're talking about a free agent guy that you want on July 1st real bad, but with Mitch Marner, hey, 10-5, that's it, that's what you're getting, that's that's... Take it or leave it. See, but I would rather overpay your your restricted free agent. I would than over because like the, no, the no, UFA. I think it's important. That's not my, on a six yeah. five million dollar player, and you offer him six five, and he wants seven two. No, I, that's not fucking my, tell yourself. Yeah. Slow down. Six five or nothing. You don't need this fucking guy for seven sure. two. Sure. You know what I mean? Because more often than not, free agent signings are a fucking no, mistake. For sure. <laughs> but. It's it's ten it's ten five and yeah. then if Mitch Marner doesn't want ten five on November thirtieth, sorry, yeah, we'll see you next June. Maybe we can do this again, and then you're worth maybe seven. Ideally, what I think he's worth is about nine seven five. Yeah, because I, I mean it's 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 hard. Like that's more than Ovechkin, but I wouldn't go over ten. Yeah, yeah, that's ten it, would be my if where you max. think he's actually worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I'll be very happy if he comes in at nine seven five, like I said, I would sure. put him at because yeah. uh, that's what I think he's worth. And so. that's and that that's the other thing too. Like there, there's the number, and then there's the term. Mm-hmm. If it's one year at nine seven five, that's fine. I don't mind that. That's that's fine. Let's see what Mitch Marner can do in in mm-hmm. another year. Yeah, because this was this maybe, maybe this was a freak year. Maybe this is just one off. Him and Tavares just yeah. found it. And the next year, it'll be He needs be to gone. fire his agent if he does that, I think. Yeah, well... Well, um, I mean, maybe not, but... Yeah. but you know I don't I mean? know, man. Like, it, it, it's, this has got nothing to do with term for me. It's strictly the number. It's, th- it's don't go over 10 yeah. for one year. Don't go over 10 for eight years. I, I don't give a shit. That's, that's my limit. Yeah. See, and the, I think the weird thing is, too, and, like, I've, I've... They were talking about it with, like, Matthew's deal and stuff like that, and, like, how if the term went up, the cap hit would go up. Which in a lot of sense, like a lot of players, that doesn't make sense to me. Like the cap hit should go down as the term goes up in certain situations. But when you're young, you're betting on yourself, right? Yeah. And you only get so many shots at it. Yeah, so before like it, 30, it's hard. it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I, I for honestly, in, Mar- in Marner's sake, I hope he signs like a three, five year deal. Because in sports, you shouldn't bet on yourself as much as you think you should. Yeah. To be honest you with know. you. He's a little guy. As, anal- as analytics move on, it's yeah. uh, it's maybe not the smartest idea. Uh, I have some good news and bad news for you, James. Okay. Uh, you are not escaping this week without over-unders. Ah. Yes. But then after that, we'll do Owen Wilson top 10, and we'll maybe crank the volume a little bit on Yumi and Dupree, so that'll mm. be good. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Um, over-unders. You won last week. I'm looking to take you down this week. Okay. Can't beat me. Um, now I will. I will give you some warning. I uh, on a few players this week decided to go pre nineteen ninety in some cases. That bodes well for me. Mm, cool. <laughs> Even better. Uh, <laughs> I know more about players I didn't watch. I didn't knew you... more about before I was born. Than didn't you just you hear know. me? I don't watch fucking games. Yeah. Uh, all right. Career high in points. We'll start off our usual starting point. Single season. Single season. All right. Number one, former Minnesota Wild, Andrew Brunette. Over or under 76 points in a season? Under. Uh, it is over, good sir. Mm-hmm. 
Andrew Burnett had 83 in 2006-2007 as a member of the, I believe, Colorado Avalanche, but I don't know and I don't really care. It's getting late. Yeah, there. I believe you. You're 0 for 1. Uh, Andre Nikolishin, also former Colorado Avalanche, I guess. Uh, over or under 60 points in a season? Over. It is under. Hmm. Andre Nikolishin had 51 points in 95-96. That was his only time over 50. No, Crazy, eh? Too bad. Yeah. Uh, he's so far removed from the league, I remember him as a number one center. Really? And he wasn't, clearly. Huh. I don't know. He was a third line guy, I guess, maybe. Your final career high in points, my good sir. Mark Streit. Over or under 57 points in a season? I thought I capped it at like 54, so I'll say under. Uh, you're 0 for 3. It is over. Mark Streit had 62 points in 2007-2008, and I believe he also had 57 on the nose at one point. So That's great. Yeah. It isn't that special. It's a second church lady reference in two weeks. Career total wins for a goaltender. So what did they retire for in terms of their final win total? Number one, Hockey Night in Canada analyst, Kelly Rudy. Over or under 255. Over. It's 271. You're on the board. It is over. Love it. You're one for four. Uh, Number two, Jeff Hackett. (laughs) I forgot he existed until I did this. Uh, Over or under 180 wins? Mm, Under. It is under. 100 and... I thought it said 86. I'm like, am I stroking out? 166. You're two for five. Nice. You could go back to 500. By going back to the to the era of influenza robbing us of a season and, you know, wars and shit. All right. George Vesna. Yeah. Over under 90 career wins. Uh, I know he's got the NHL record for shutouts in a season, which is 22. So that's 22 wins Good in a single God. season. Well, Maybe he tied those games. I'll say over. <laughs> could have tied those games uh you are even it is 103 career wins for the vesna trophy never winning but namesake namesake yeah george vesna uh career total points so what did they retire with at the end of their career career total points number one trevor linden over under 925 Mm, under don't call it a comeback uh, 867. You are above 500, good sir. Thanks. Should be interesting to mm-hmm. see where this goes. Uh, number two, Lubomir Viznovsky. Over or under 435? Over. Look at this. 495, good sir. You are five for eight. Is that right? Five for eight? Five for eight. Yeah. Five in a row. Keep, keep the hot streak going. <laughs> number three, Vinny Prospel. Oof. Over under six hundred and seventy five. Oof. Ah, under. I'm liking the sound effects. Uh, it is over, good sir. Yeah. Significantly over seven hundred and sixty five. Yeah, yeah. Huh. He's weird. He had a weird career. Really good player that no one ever talks about. Yeah. Like really good. Uh, you're even. No. Six. No five for nine. <laughs> there we go. I was like, how could you be even after nine? Uh, all right. Your favorite category, James, career total games played. Number one, Stefan Yell. 
over <laughs> shaking his head over under 875 games <laughs> under uh Stefan Yell played 991 games in the National Hockey League robbed of his 1000th game stick that's fucked uh you're 5 for 10 former Toronto Maple Leaf Pavel Kubina over or under 900 games in the National Hockey League? Under. It is over, good sir. 970 games in the National Hockey League. Robbed of his 1,000 game silver stick. You gotta get this right. Gotta get it right. Ruslan Fedotenko. Over or under 750 games in the National Hockey League? Under. Well, I thought maybe you were gonna keep the streak of wins going in a row. Uh, but you did not this week, sir. Ruslan Fedotenko over 863 games in the National Hockey League. Robbed of his 1,000 games sure. silver stick. <laughs> Should have played at least two more seasons. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. What are you going to do? I won't lose sleep over it. No, you yeah, that. you're gotten pretty yeah. used to sleeping on this one. 5 for 12 on the week is your final. Nice. Uh, you're not getting the tiebreaker. I'm saving this one. I like it too much. Okay. Uh, okay, top 10. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. Uh, this week's top ten, top ten Owen Wilson movies. As we watched it, or as we mentioned it, uh, we are currently watching uh, uh, Matt Dillon have uh, like a sort of like a sex hallucination about uh, Dupree cuckolding his family. I guess that's a weird sentence. That's what was happening, though. Oh no, mainly because you just mentioned like Matt Dillon by. Actor name, and then Dupree, <laughs> I don't like, know Matt name. Dillon's fucking character's name in this movie. That's I don't fair. remember. Yeah. Oh, nice, but he's about to get hit over the head by Michael Douglas. Boom. That'll get you. Okay, man. Okay. What's your 10? Drillbit Taylor. Jesus. All right. Uh, Who does he play? 2008. Drillbit <laughs> uh, Taylor. Uh, it's a movie uh, where Owen Wilson, he's kind of a, he's a, he's a bum. He's living on the streets. Gee, he uh, what a what a branch out of character that was yeah. for Owen Wilson, a eh? playing a homeless person, former uh, guy in the military, I believe, uh, and uh, some some kids are getting bullied, and uh, he offers him. Isn't that the way they advertise him? But he's actually just like a bum that doesn't know anything about what he's doing. I no, thought that's what it was. I'm pretty sure he was in the army, but it was like he was a cook or something. Oh like, yeah, something okay, yeah, like that. <laughs> So he's just, uh, yeah, some kids are getting bullied and they, they want some protection. So he offers his services to be their bodyguard and to train them in martial arts and shit like that. The whole time while just sizing up their house to rob the place to sell all their shit to a pawn shop so he can buy a van or something. So he's not, you know, sleeping outdoors anymore. Joe Taylor. Tough break. Pretty funny. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It was okay. It was okay. It's, um, it is like some Owen Wilson movies, probably... Worse than I think it is, but it was alright. It was it was like it was like three years too late. That's all. Like he'd kind of left that yeah. realm of his career, and then it was a good concept. It probably yeah. just needed a different writer, probably or like someone else to help the writers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. He's in a neck brace now in every film. Classic. Uh, my number ten is Francis from the Darjeeling Limited, two thousand and seven. It's fine. Sure. It's fine. Sure. I don't know. It's fine. Okay. You're number nine. I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's I don't know. It's a Wes Anderson movie. It's not one of my 
favorite Wes Anderson movies. Uh, we all know Owen Wilson likes to be in Wes Anderson movies. He's also in The Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu, starring Bill Murray, which I'm not going to lie, has been on a movie on my list of movies I want to see for 15 years now. It is from 2004. I have never seen it. I really want to see it. It looks really Bill funny. Murray. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is... Uh... Kevin Raleigh from Meet the Parents. Nice. Yeah. Um, not a huge role. Just he plays the ex-boyfriend of uh, Greg Fokker's uh, oh, bride to be. But it's great. It's classic. fantastic. Yeah. Just the he's the most lovable, charming kind of guy. Though the movie, the movie just eats him up. The Nothing wrong with him. Man. It. Yeah. He's best buddies with oh, Robert yeah. De Niro too. Like it's great. Uh, yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Good stuff. Uh, my number nine, uh, and I must mention. This is not the f- not the only listing of Owen Wilson's characters on this list where Owen Wilson's character actually doesn't have a name. Hmm. Uh, but my number nine, 1996's The Cable Guy as Robin's Date. Nice. It is, I think, his first comedic on-screen role. And I gotta tell ya... It's pretty hilarious when Owen Wilson just walks through the door and he's just like this fucking like super nice guy, and they hate him. It's good stuff. That's fair. Yeah. Um, also, also Ben Stiller's uh, that was on uh, my Ben Stiller list. The Cable Guy. Love it. Um, my number eight is also a Owen Wilson role that features no found name that I could track down. From 2010. Um, season one, episode thirteen of Community. Um, yeah, investigative journalism is the name of the uh, show. Uh, didn't get a name. Did you get a name? Seems like you are familiar with this. Oh, uh, I'll see you there. Okay, I'll see you there. Couldn't find a name. No. Uh, leads the uh, rival study group in the episode, um, undermining Jeff and his uh, his compadres as they uh, compadres. Well, it's a Spanish class, so true. Yeah. That was a good reference, actually. Thank you. Okay. Uh, that's all you got to say about it? Yeah. Okay. It's a good episode. Um, he doesn't I, say, he doesn't, I don't think he has a single line in the, in the episode, but... Uh, he, he does. I'll get there. Okay. Um, my number eight is uh, 2001, uh, Luan Virgin 2.0 episode of King of the Hill as Rhett Vandergraaff. <laughs> now... I gotta tell you a little bit about this, because I feel like most people... I know, like, one guy listens to this podcast that probably has seen this episode of King of the Hill, and that's that's it. Okay. We all know Luann, voiced by Brittany Murphy. Hank Hill's niece is, like, this slutty, sort of 19-year-old stupid girl who uh, wants to be a born-again virgin. And she goes to this, like, class for, like... I don't know, they just had to, like, talk about sex. It was, like, AA for sex. But they weren't, like, sex addicts. They just want to be, like, born-again virgins, you know? So they're talking about it. And in the basement is this guy named Rhett Vandergraaff, voiced by Owen Wilson, who is just as stupid as she is. And uh, there's, like, a dance afterwards, which is a horrible idea for people who want to be born-again virgins. And, uh, of course, Owen Wilson ends up getting together with Luann... Uh, they talk together for about a minute, they dance, she's hot, Rhett can't handle himself, and then proposes to Luann, and she's an idiot, and says yes, and they've known each other for like a minute, and my favorite line of the whole episode is like, they're planning the wedding, like a couple days later, and, uh, there's like a line about how they don't know what Rhett's last name is, 
And Luann looks at them and is like, I also don't know what his last name is. Looks at him. What is your last name? And he's like, got this big smile. It's Vandergraaf. And in Owen Wilson's voice, it's just, it's hilarious. Hmm. It's a great episode. One of my, I guess, favorites of the series. It's a good one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Owen Wilson, number eight. Um, my number seven is a, is a split uh, split uh, thing here. Uh, 2000 and 2003 is Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Gotta confess, never seen them. Really? Never seen either no. of them. Not, not great. Who Who's in it with them? Jackie Chan. Oh, come on. That's the, How have I never seen it? That's the part that sells. Dude, take, dude, take, Rush Hour is my favorite comedic right? film series. Now just plaster That's in number Owen one. Wilson instead of Chris Tucker. You're laughing. And drop him in like 19th oh century Midwest god. America. Hilarious. How have I never seen this? Oh my god. Do yourself a favor. I probably will. Oof. So uh, Owen Wilson plays Fuck, Roy O'Bannon. Oh, That's good his man. name. Roy O'Bannon? Yeah. Cool. I, I shit you not. I shit you not, people. Jackie Chan's character is... Chan or Chan Chan Wong. Yeah, I was gonna say which car- trans- careful with your accents. Which there. which translate in Chinese to John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Um Owen Wilson is a train robber who uh teams up with uh Jackie Chan uh as as he attempts to rescue a captured Chinese princess who has been taken hostage by some bandits in the West. And it it's a treat. Gotta hate Honestly, those bandits. it is a treat. The sequel, they go to Britain. It makes no sense. It's fucking hilarious. It's great. I love it. I'm gonna watch Rush Hour tonight. Okay. Um, my number seven is the other study group leader, 2010 Community Investigative Journalism. Um, he does in fact have a line. They're sitting in the study room, and Owen Wilson walks in and off camera says, "Hey." Whatever Jack Black's character's name is, I can't remember. Hey, Randall? Yeah. Hey, Randall! That's right. And they pan over. We just took a vote, and guess what? You're in. That's his only line. Mm. But the fact, and like to set it up where you were kind of coming from there, the fact that it's just, you don't see it coming. And what makes it even more amazing, it's like the old, like only the 13th episode of Community. So, like, they have yet to establish their sort of shtick for sure. It's fairly new in the series going, so you're not aware that they're going to be using all these cameo appearances, too. Like, it's totally unexpected. Jack Black being in the episode is is hilarious enough. And then the fact that they get Owen Wilson to literally say one line, fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad, too, that uh, Owen Wilson was able to do something productive with his 2010 year. Yeah, he, like many comedic actors from the 2000s, has not exactly translated over to the 2010s. But that's fine. Number it's a new millennial crowd. Yeah. Uh, now they listen listen to podcasts about. It's, it's all about the yelling about it's all about the Seth Rogans and the John Mulaney's and the. Oh man, do I ever love some Seth Rogan and yeah. John Mulaney? Uh, number six for me from two thousand and four. Imagine them doing a movie together. It would make no sense. It wouldn't. That'd be the funniest. Di- they could do like the Odd Couple, but as a movie, they could they should redo Due Date, but just call it something different and write it completely different. But same premise as Due Date, and they're just driving across the country together. As mismatches, John Mulaney and Seth Rogen in California Nights. Hmm. Uh, number six, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Yes. Owen Wilson plays Ken Hutchinson. Ken Hutchinson. Uh, Hutch, you might even the say. The reserved, laid-back, hippie-ish, kind of everybody's best friend cop. 
teaming up with uh, the hard ass there, Ben Stiller, uh, across from uh, across from him. Um, big fan of this movie. It uh, hits in all the points. Uh, the acting is is great through and through. Uh, all the characters I feel are are well are well represented, and uh, this could this this you know what this is looking like it might go down as a three for three. As we're lining up Vince Vaughn next week, who we'll have to see. We'll have to see here, but uh, I, that, I'm glad we saved that one for last because that's the one I'm most excited about. Because like I feel like Vince Vaughn has like 30 roles oh, that I, I've already said he's my favorite. It's going like, to be so hard. God, it's going to be great. Yeah, can't wait. That th- we're going to have to make sure next week's episode runs a little short because mm. we're going to need a lot of time for that top ten. Yeah. Top ten. Ken Hutchinson, do it. Top ten, do it. Um, my number six is Ken Raleigh. Meet the parents. Mm. We already talked about yeah. it. Yeah. What's your number five? Number five. Oh, I'm not prepared. Okay. Uh, number five for me, um, 2002's I Spy. Um, Owen Wilson plays, uh, uh, I don't think he's FBI, but he plays a spy in the film uh, Alex, um, who has to take professional boxer uh, played by Eddie Murphy um, to oh, yeah. Belarus or something like that, Bulgaria. And uh, infiltrate this terrorist who's hijacked an atomic bomb. And uh, see, the funny thing about Eddie Murphy is that well, I mean everything, but like the funny thing about Eddie Murphy is like when Eddie Murphy's in a movie, like and has more than like one line, it immediately moves up like five points for me. But the problem is, is that Eddie Murphy post like 1990, most of his movies are like in the negatives for mm. like how funny I think they are. So like he helps resurrect the movies and this is one of them, I think, yeah, but Owen is, Wilson helps too. This is great. Yeah. Owen Wilson. He, he's not a great spy. He <laughs> wasn't there. Line. He wasn't their first choice to be the, the main spy in, in the film even. Um, but he's the one that is left. Who was uh, the first choice? Well, they had like the, the, the big macho guy that he his cover been blown, so they. Couldn't, oh, I thought they you meant like him. they meant to cast someone oh, else. No, no, like they wanted to cast fucking. No, no, no. Yeah, the character in the movie. Who was would have just... been like a funny actor in two thousand two that they would have had to like pass on? Well, Jim Carrey, maybe couldn't do it because of drugs or something. Yeah, Will Ferrell wasn't that famous. Mike yet. Myers. That was right before Will Ferrell becoming Anchorman. the man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's just funny. Yeah, I, I like it because he, he's trying to play off like Eddie Murphy, like he's this big, big shot, and he's not. And Eddie Murphy's kind of believing him the whole time. It's 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 a good time. Okay, it's a good trip. Uh, my number five, Ken Hutchinson, stars Ken Hutch. Beauty. I like the your number four. We got here. <laughs> uh, number four. Yeah, your the rest of yours are just going to be mine, one ahead of, and yeah. then I'm just not going to talk about. We're anything probably else. not that far off. Yeah, I would imagine we have the same top four. Uh, number four, uh, currently uh, in the background, 2006 is. You, Ooh, me, and Dupree. Yeah. There you go. Man, the fact that he wears a Jofa helmet biking everywhere yeah. is is an <laughs> underrated hockey joke. This is a hockey movie, really. It is. It really I'm is. I'm sure they cut out a scene where they're at, like, a Kings game or something. <laughs> I'm not really... What does this take place? Do they even say? It yeah. seems like L.A., but no, Oaks at Mesa Vista. It's probably, like, an Arizona thing. I should I'd, know this. I'd be guessing. I've seen this movie 30 times. Like, I should know where this movie takes place. I'd be guessing. I'm a big fan, though. I love it. Uh, basically, uh, newlyweds uh, are forced to uh, house uh, Matt Dillon's best buddy from high school, Dupree, and he's just a nightmare, and he's just 
in there causing havoc and wants to party the whole time God. and they're just like no we're ready to like you know be grown-ups and settle down and and uh and then yeah apparently he gets chased through a shopping mall or something here as we're something i don't know i don't know good movie though I haven't seen it in a while I'm not gonna lie take place i'm sure i'm sure if i type it into google it'll come up eh where does yumi and dupree take place it was shot in the same valley as Jurassic Park. I guess they don't really say. Alright, I'll say Phoenix. Uh, my number four is uh, 2001 Hansel from Zoolander. I, was, I don't know why I was going to start it with a V. Uh, from Zoolander. Where are the files? They're in the computer. He has a revelation. Smashes the computer to a million pieces because he literally thinks they're inside the computer. Uh, Hansel, he's so hot right now. Hansel, number four. Okay. Um, well, um, number three. We're in the top three here. Top three. Okay. Uh, number three for me, um, 2001's Behind Enemy Lines. Is he funny in that movie? No. I just, it's one this of is top ten funniest roles, bro. No, top ten roles. Funniest. Top ten roles. It was funniest. Go back last week, listen to Ben Stiller's top ten roles. It's not top ten funniest roles. No, we specified funniest last week. I don't remember week. that at all. You don't remember anything, usually. That's top ten rules. Come on. It's not. Alright, fine. That's not what I based mine on. Well, would you would you have something in your list that would Absolutely. No Escape is the best acting performance I've ever... No. Yeah, you can't lie. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, sure. Know. It's a good movie. Yeah, he's fine in it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was that, it was that breaking away from his, his, his norm, you know, he... I can do other things, you know. I I can be a serious. See, but he did pilot. mostly serious stuff in the nineties. I don't have that on my list. <laughs> well, why would Cable you? Cable Guy, Anaconda. Well, Anaconda was kind of serious. Armageddon. Armageddon, the Minus Man. The Minus Man. He's a serial he's not killer. Serious in Armageddon. Have you seen Armageddon? Well, Armageddon's just a joke altogether. But well, I think he's yeah. supposed to be serious. No, he's the funny cowboy. Oh, I guess so. It's hilarious. But it's a serious movie, yeah, sort of. Uh, it not. it thinks it's serious. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. All right. Uh, well, fuck. All right, then. Fuck. All right, fuck. Uh, my number three, uh, Nick Campbell, 2013's The Internship. Oh, baby, do I love this fucking movie, man. Uh, in my opinion, one of the most underrated comedies of the 2010s. Uh, it does not get enough respect, and I know you feel the same way. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson get fired from, well, not fired, sort of laid off from their jobs as watch salesmen. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, they need to find new work, and they hear of an employment it's opportunity in California uh, at Google. And they go to do an internship at Google, and, uh, of course, the shtick is that they're way older than everyone. And even the people that they're not older than, they are way dumber than. And uh, it's just Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn at their finest. Just a just a coy the whole time. Like we <sighs> can convince them that we're anybody. Now my favorite part is when they invent uh, Instagram. Oh god, there's so many good parts. <laughs> it's what Insta Face isn't that what he calls it or something? Insta-pay. You put it on the on the net or on the line on the line online no on the line. Um, no, my favorite part, though, is when, uh, they, they break up, I guess is, is how I would put it, and so Owen Wilson leaves Google, and he says he's gonna go work for his cousin, or his 
brother-in-law or something. And then, uh, so Vince Vaughn goes to find him and uh, shows up at this mattress store where his cousin, played by Will Ferrell, is uh, helping him sell mattresses now. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely. It's a good joke. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, pizza, number... pizza pie, sushi, and ice cream. It's great. <laughs> number two for me. Um, I got to track down the year here. There it is. 2005. John Beckworth, Wedding Crashers. There it is. Me too. Yeah. Number two. Yep. Nice. Yep. Two's all around. Yep. Um... So, first off, we're going to take Heat, because this is probably his, his most recognized role, but whatever. Um, See, and I just, I like Vince Vaughn better in this movie than I like Owen Wilson in this movie. That's kind of why I, I like, come down on it. I like most of their movies more than I like this movie, in terms of, like, the really famous ones. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Owen Wilson famous movies, like Zoolander's up there. I like Zoolander better. Fucking, uh, you know... The Internship, Starsky and Hutch. Like, I like all those movies better. It's just I'm willing to admit that it is a really funny movie. It's it just, yeah. you know, it is really funny. Like, I like Wedding Good Crashers. too, that's the thing. I think my thing with Wedding Crashers, everyone saw it way before I did. Like, I was, I, Wedding Crashers was a movie I was late to the party on. I don't think I ever sat down and watched it start to finish. Now, I had seen it in its entirety, but not, like, literally, like, the whole thing in one sitting Till probably like 2013. That's fucked. Just never saw it. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of weird. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There were a lot of comedies around that time. I just That's didn't, true. I didn't get around to it. That's true. You know? And also, I would have been 13 in 2005. I didn't get to go out to see Wedding Crashers. Yeah. So. I remember that being like one of those first big. Raunchy comedies. Yeah. 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 A lot of, lot of sex jokes in that one too, yeah. so. Some, some titties. 14 year olds at the fucking theater. Yeah. I didn't go to the theater. Uh, <laughs> I, a friend of mine acquired a DVD copy because his, his, his parents were cooler than my parents. I remember so. buying Forty Year Old Virgin, and I felt like I uh, I bought yeah. a fucking that was another one a yeah. sex film. Nice. And there's like literally like three scenes involving nudity, maybe in that whole movie, and one of them is literally him watching porn. So it's like secondhand nudity, really. Ooh. It's not even on screen. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess that brings me back to my number one. Mm, shit. Yeah. Um, Which is? Well, I have no idea where you're going with this, maybe. Uh, oh, wait, no, I do. 2013. Nice. Nick Campbell. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Fuck. Great film. I might go home and watch that tonight. I, I thought I owned it at one point, but I guess I don't. The, the scene where they're in that, like, glass room, and Owen Wilson thinks he's onto something, and I can't remember what it is that he thinks he's onto, but he's just, like, going... From like station to station Dude, that, in their little room, and he's like that and then, movie, and then this, and then like the the the, the waves with and like he's just he's got all the confidence in the world, but he's he couldn't be like more maybe wrong. I, maybe I'm like have a maybe we have really bad sense of humor or something like that, but like the way that Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn play off each other in that movie, it's incredible. Like they are equally as funny as each other, probably in that movie, and that is always really hard to do in a duo comedy. Yeah. Like there's still always one that kind of is funnier than the other. I honestly, I don't know which of the two carries that movie. It's really hard to say. And Owen Wilson is your number one, but like honestly, Vince Vaughn is probably just as good in that movie. Like probably. it's incredible. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Number okay. one. That's your number one. Yeah. Uh, my number one is uh, Randolph Dupree. You mean Dupree? As the credits just roll, and now I can't even really talk about the 
the movie as much because it's not on. Um, dude, listen, I don't know, man. Something about him in this movie. This is, I've said this before, this is the worst movie that I love. It's the worst one that I love. Cause it's a good it's, one to love. It's probably not that great, but god damn it, I could watch it over and over again. Yeah. Every line, like, I just have this uncontrollable, like, smile ready to laugh. Like, it's just, I don't know. It is the worst movie that I love. It's, it's yeah. a good one to have he's as a, your worst. He's so. in love with Mandy. He goes out with the slut teacher there, like, one time, and then he's, like, crying about her and shit. Like, it's great. He rides everywhere on a bike because he doesn't have a car because he's a piece of shit. He was wearing a Jova it, helmet. It, you know what? I'll say this Alan much. McCauley helmet. It, it might have been the best utilization of his, like, acting skills in a film. Yeah. Because it covers a lot of range. There. No, I, I think so, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That was That's our it. Owen Wilson top ten Top ten. Rules. Top ten. Top ten funniest rules. Um, yeah, I, know. I mean, go home, watch Behind Enemy Lines. Tell me, I, I didn't laugh once. Gene Hackman? Um, so you listen. Got, you got tell me you laughed at Gene Hackman? No. Yeah, does, right. he, does he crack a joke in that no, movie? No, probably not. He's just funny to look at. That was Gene Hackman, if I remember correctly, his third last role. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Still alive. <laughs> just hasn't acted since 2004's Welcome to Mooseport. Fuck off. <laughs> I've mentioned that before on this podcast, and I'll never let it go. Gene Hackman's last acting role to this date, anyway, as far as I know. I'll look it up to make sure he hasn't, like, done something since then. But I have made a point to, like, keep an eye out for Gene Hackman. <laughs> because it's like, you can't you can't go out like this, man. <laughs> like, yeah, still, to this day, welcome to Mooseport 2004 as Monroe Cole. See, that's that's kind of how it that's happens. Some, sometimes you, you act in Mooseport, and then sometimes you go to the Arizona Coyotes and play nine games and retire when your name is Brett Hull. Sometimes you just know it's over. Sometimes yeah. you just got to hang it up. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting to mention, like, his last three character names, okay? In Behind Enemy Lines, he's Relgart. In Welcome to Moose Party's Monroe Cole. In Runaway Jury, he's Rankin Fitch. <laughs> I hope they let him pick his own names. Like, maybe he just saw the scripts he was picking and it's like, ah, uh, there's something wrong here. <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines, great movie, though. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's it for this week. Yeah. All the articles that I said I would have out this week uh, on that last week's podcast, yeah, they'll be out next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. We are well. I, I'm 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 not sure. I'm doing two write-ups for the awards, but we're not sure when we're releasing them because we're releasing them all in like a row, like day by day. Ah. So they're written. It's just a matter of when they get out. Uh, also, my Winnipeg Jets off-season piece. It's coming along, but boy, howdy, do they have some decisions to make. That's fair. Um, my team is still alive and uh, playing in the playoffs, so I wrote a little article about uh, which... Uh, about their cap situation. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about uh, which of the four remaining teams have the best narrative remaining and, and who you should cheer for if maybe, say, your team isn't in it anymore. Um, kind of like a, a bandwagoner's guide to the NHL playoffs. It's a guide to the galaxy. Yeah. So, spoiler, don't cheer for the Bruins. Um uh, beyond that, uh, yeah, uh, that you can check that out, puck77.com. Okay. Well, good uh, good for them. You can follow us on... Twitter. Stitcher, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Facebook. I'm just going to mix them all together now. Portugal Radio, Pinterest probably, uh, rock94.com. 
Clomper, Portugal Radio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Leave a review uh, on uh, StubHub. I don't know. Top 10 uh, Vince Vaughn movies next week, as well as maybe some hockey news. I hope. Maybe. I Should hope. we get a guest on? No. No? No. No? <laughs> okay. okay. You don't like sharing me with anyone, eh? <laughs> you can do the interview, bud. <laughs> if you want. We'll do the next week. The week after that. Okay. Yeah. If we're still around. Okay, see you later. And suddenly I remember, holy shit, Hansel, haven't you been smoking peyote for six straight days? And couldn't some of this maybe be in your mind? And? It was. I was totally fine. I've never even been to Mount Vesuvius. Cool story, Hansel. Thanks, Olaf. Are you out there? Take away my fear I haven't lost my home Even though I am so far from my home I've been living life on the edge Slipping far if I take one more step the safety in numbers, I guess But I'm going rogue in the wild, wild west Wild west, wild west, wild Somewhere I stand There's a world where you The safety in